Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Fraught with excitement, NBA, new arena opening. We'll talk about that, NFL, just a week away from playing for keeps as opposed to the stuff that we've seen in August, which is another story for another day. Ryder Cup coming up in golf, tennis, the U.S. Open. There are so many issues on the calendar. We talked to our grand master of sports, our grand poobah editor, Dan Calaruso. How's that? That's a lot of titles. That's a lot of grandiosity uh, for uh... A humble soul as as as, as I am. Um, grand grand defining nothing. But but are you are you ready for the week of uh, week of tennis and and also uh, ready for the NBA season to start soon? I, I'm ready for baseball season to end. Um, yes, so I'm ready for everything else it brings. Um, but but yes, basketball season is upon us. I think you and I talk about a kind of stealthy resurgence by the NBA. Uh, LeBron's going to be in L.A. That transforms that town again. Um, and there's a, there are a lot of interesting things going on with the NBA, with the franchise revenue streams, um, with the, the engagement level uh, of the sport right now. And I think they're all pointing in the, in the right direction, especially compared to some other sports. Well, we can talk about who's right and who's wrong with the NBA after we hear an executive of some significant repute, Peter Fagan. And the reason why that's important is the Milwaukee Bucks and Fiserv Inc., a week and a half ago, announced a 25-year naming deal for their new $524 million downtown arena, near or better than the Golden One Credit Union, $120 million, D.C.'s Verizon Center, Capital One Arena now has become $100 million over 10 years. So that's very important in Midwestern town. Even bigger, the arena actually opened up uh, this week to great fanfare. So... Kudos to the Bucks, and obviously another arena opening in the NBA means it's better for everybody. The idea that, you know, they have a plan around it is great, and I, I think, you know, the ownership is financially savvy. So it'll be interesting to see the next five to seven years how the Bucks grow up as a franchise and as an enterprise. Yeah, so Wes Eden's Mark Lazary bought the Bucks in 14 from Senator Herb Cole for $550 million team is obviously valued at more than a billion dollars. We'll talk about the arena in a minute, but it was $250 million of public money in a $524 million total building. The guy who is really the day-to-day architect of it is the president, Peter Fagan. Let's hear from him now. We often talk to development guys, guys who know the industry, guys who move mountains to get a real estate deal done, and we have all of that in one today. Peter Fagan, the president of the Milwaukee Bucks, Peter, how are you? Great, great. We uh, this is a big day for our uh, organization, as you know. We uh, we just announced our naming rights partner for our new arena. We've got great uh, development in and around our live block in our district, and uh, getting very excited for a new NBA season. But this is uh, this is a fun point of momentum for us. Well, it continues the momentum that you got. I've talked off air about how I admire. Uh, you know, not only you, but uh, Mark Lazary and Wes Edens and Jamie Dynan and, and Mike for putting together a deal when you bought the, fran- when you bought the franchise. Uh, the, the arena deal 
was something that people wanted, but it wasn't finished. And, and, and obviously, the, the leverage has to be very carefully done. And you guys have now a centerpiece of a 30-acre uh, development that will help redefine and re- revitalize Milwaukee, becoming the jewel in the Midwest. You also got your naming deal, so let's hear about it. Well, I think we, you know, I, I, I think, first of all, Fiserv, you know, which is a Wisconsin-based company with a global footprint that is uh, a publicly traded NASDAQ company and, and a, a really a global leader of financial services technology solutions in the world. And, and the Bucks and, and the arena have decided to partner for, you know, again, like a, a, a unique element of this deal, 25-year term, um, to, to really forge a relationship, you know, of two two organizations based on innovation, based on people, and based on real growth. Um, and, you know, I think what's interesting in the industry is kind of forging a new category. Um, you know, as, as we looked at it, this was a long time in the making. We've probably been talking for about two years. Um, this is about alignment of, of objectives and, and really the prospect of having a really fun, prosperous relationship together over a very long time. In the arena obviously incredibly important the the uh 258 miles of fiber and copper cable the 200 events a year in it the marquez marquez men's basketball team major concerts and the like that all has to be a driving force in a naming deal but it also is much more than that it's representing stability and it represents the future yeah, I think you take it from our ownership, you know, and I think Jeff Jeff spent a lot of time with our owners to really talk about what the vision was, and the vision is simply to be a leader, you know, and, and that means a lot of things on a lot of levels. On the court, it means competing for a championship. Off the court, it means attracting millions of, of fans uh, via attendance, via activation, via engagement, and, and really having a strategy to, to redefine the experience, you know, here in Wisconsin. You know, I think... The easy part of naming rights is, you know, today in the NBA, quantifying impressions, you know, is not easy, but you can do it, and it, and it exists. And, and the growing market that we have in hockey stick growth in television audience in Asia and in Europe um, and participation, you know, of generations has just been phenomenal unlike any other league. So I think all of this contributed to, to kind of Pfizer really understanding the value proposition. So Fiserv, again, this is maybe stated another way, but obviously they buy into the arena. They buy into the future of the Bucks. But the international growth of the NBA, how is a naming rights partner for one of now 30 partners in a arena that is in a great growth area, but it's not New York, Chicago, L.A., uh, how does it see benefits around the NBA and its international expansion, too. You refer to it generally. Get a little more specific as to how they take advantage of the NBA assets. Well, I'll simply, I like it to relate to it in a simple form. You are the company you keep. So literally, Fiserv has now aligned themselves with, you know, what really is the greatest league and growing international presence in the world. So, you know, when you align yourself, you know, you are aligning yourself, as you know, certainly on the home court, um, you know, team, but, you know, on every broadcast that exists, you know, on, on where you're going. And, and, again, like, you know, it's not just the NBA. You know, one of our platforms is, 
you know, a real a real destination on entertainment and 40 to 50, you know, concerts a year that kind of redefine entertainment for it. So you are aligning yourselves with, with kind of like the centerpiece of sports entertainment and with the NBA, of course, you've got an accelerant because you, you get the backing of, of the league and the media machine. How do you feel about the league broadly? I know it's a general question, so it's obviously positive, but the whole notion of uh, – of uh, the, the the current media rights deals and the international expansion, the good side of the NBA. You bullish on the NBA? You're talking to the wrong guy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're talking to the biggest cheerleader of Adam Silver you could ever you could ever imagine. I think directionally, where what's happened in the last two to three years. I think if you talk about anything from valuation of teams to kind of what growth prospects are, when you talk about the the intricacies of kind of what's happening with e- e-gaming and what's happening with NBA 2K. You know, I was just looking at numbers, and, you know, we had over 25,000 people, you know, watch our NBA 2K team play, you know, to get it. By the way, that, that competes with a lot of regional networks broadcast of, uh, of, of games, you know, in, in large and small markets around the NBA. So I think – you know, it, it's almost on the operator side, you know, which I consider ourselves and the franchise side, to really figure out ways to catch, per, ca- capture, um, you know, what's happening and the affinity and the participation and the growth. And it's, it's only increasing. So, you know, we spend every day in really figuring out how do we acquire the fan, how do we engage them, and how do we retain them, you know, and, and it's all about the content. And, and NBA basketball is terrific. We had uh, Zach Leonsis on my debut show on NBC in Washington, and when I asked Zach the biggest growth unexpectedly, I guess you can elaborate on it as well. Who'd have thought that eSport and gaming would actually be a legitimate athletic sport? Rick, the numbers are incredible. You know, tens of millions of people watching, like, international, you know, finals, you know, trumping Super Bowl numbers. You know, those are real things, you know, to to get it done and the participation is so viral and so real, you know, we, we just have been a little bit late to the game and now we're grabbing it. And uh, I really do see kind of the valuations and, and our NBA 2K teams, like at some point, and you call me crazy, you know, they will, they will equate to kind of what team evaluations are. Uh, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't think Mark Cuban is crazy, although it might be for other reasons when he says that, nor do I think you're crazy. So how about gambling? Let's talk about that for a minute. We're talking about valuation increases, and this was one of those things where as much as the brain trust in various sports tried to resist, once the Supreme Court ruled the way they did, it's how do we take advantage of it? What is your case on that? Well, our case is pretty good. I mean, I, I will tell you, and almost from, you know, Adam Silver's mouth, there, there are billions of dollars of, of sports gambling going on, you know, and, it, and it's our, you know, it's the league's IP, you know, so in some shape or form, you know, how can we help, help improve it, evolve it, and on a parallel path, like reap financial rewards from it. So I think it makes great sense. I think directionally it's terrific. I, I'm a little, like, Curious, even though I'm in it, is like how does it actually evolve? How do we work? How how does the mechanism work? How do we work with uh, brick and mortar um, casinos to virtual casinos? How does it work on a state by state basis? All those things are going to be really fascinating. But thirty thousand feet, you know, I think directionally, I, I couldn't be more excited. 
So let's talk market for a minute. Uh, you know, you're you're not satisfied with being Wisconsin's team. Now you want to be the northern suburbs of Chicago's team. Explain. No, I think we want to be the world's team. And of course, if you're going to if you're going to conquer the world, you should go through you should go through northern Illinois and southeastern Wisconsin, obviously, to do it. I think for us, like we, we want to be that destination. So when you talk about you know, kind of. Um, destination marketing and, and really looking at it and population bases, you know, for us, Northern Illinois is, is that perfect marketplace to get it. So if we put a platform down of world-class entertainment and sports, it's a natural return to really target, you know, those big population bases. And I think if you look at it geographically, specifically, as you look at the southern part of Wisconsin and the northern part of Illinois, you're talking about equidistant uh, time from, you know, to, to get to the downtown arena in Chicago as it takes to get to Milwaukee. You're talking about we obviously want to differentiate ourselves with an awesome experience and get it. And the key for us is going to be content and, and what the experience is like. So, you know, we are aggressively going after, you know, every prospective market that we think would have a great return. So I guess finally for you, you've become from a New Yorker, obviously, you're a, a, a celebrity and hero, I would say, not you, in southern Wisconsin. It's an amazing uh, transformation. And if you just said a few years ago when you were running Marquee Jet that you would be the driving force behind, along with others, a new arena and the Greek freak and a revitalization of Milwaukee from a basketball perspective, what would you have thought? Never in a million years. So... I, I just, I just kind of laugh, and, and uh, you know, I have a, a close relationship with our ownership, with with Wes Edens and Mark Lazary and Jamie Dynan and Mark Mike Facitelli, and I will just tell you, these guys have have given me an opportunity and kind of mentored me and guided me in a way and in a scenario that I could never even fathom, uh, given the ability to really build like an unbelievable team, you know. Um, around to, to really recognize a vision. You know, the, the truth is, you know, there's no way four years ago we had the vision of what's actually happened. You know, we, we're, we're honest about that. But to have the where for all and to have the ownership that has full support that obviously are visionaries in themselves and actually, like, so bright. I tell people, I tell people the only way this happens is imagine that you've got four guys who are the greatest board members in the history of the world that are at your beck and call day in and day out, who, by the way, love this business. They all run dozens of other businesses, and I guarantee you just because I am a big part of their, their professional team they own, I have more access to them than their other CEOs, no question in my mind. Um, so, I, I mean, just an unbelievable alignment of the planet, unbelievable opportunity. I tell everybody here all the time, and of course, you know, the younger you are, the less you believe it, but What's happening here just doesn't happen. You know, this is like one of the – this in a professional sports team, we have a 50-year-old franchise that we've really treated as a startup. We've, we've developed a 30-acre district. We've done a new media deal. We've, we have completely re-engineered the team and the coaching and built an arena all in a short period of time that some teams never go through, you know, one of those elements, you know, through – and we've had the opportunity to do it all, so it's very exciting. All right, so Dan, we have some history with the Bucks. They've opened their new arena, some great fanfare as we speak. What's your takeaway of Peter's interview? 
Well, full disclosure, I, I know Peter a little bit, and I know a few other Bucks executives, um, you know, just because they're New York guys. So just that on the table. Uh, look, I, I think it's interesting to hear some of the terminology that Peter uses uh, around the, the resurrection of this franchise. He talked in one point about quantifying impressions. That's a big difference from ticket sales and concession stuff and merchandise. Like there's an impressions that a franchise needs to hit these days. And that means NBA 2K. It means social media. It means regional sports network. It means merchandise. In, and it means international. You, you like to talk about global business a lot. And it means their international imprint, which they have a, the Greek freak. So that gives them a, a little bit of a fan base and foothold in continental Europe. So the idea that he talks about as a startup, he talked about affinity and he talked about quantifying impressions to me is a, a, the new vocabulary of sports ownership and sports management in this generation. Well, and the other thing about this interesting piece of it in my public-private partnership world is that when Mark and Wes Edens bought that franchise, in full disclosure, you know, we both know them, and they took a little more of a risk than people would normally take. It was intended to be the Wisconsin Entertainment and Sports Center, clearly the center of entertainment for Wisconsin, but the deal for the arena hadn't been in place yet. And basically, the risk was you buy a franchise, the arena deal doesn't get done, and your value isn't nearly what you thought it would be when you buy it. So I guess you could say kudos to them for taking that risk of putting the public-private partnership together, and now we'll see what it's like in the next few years, but it's certainly facing some positive benefits with the opening at the end of August as we speak. Yeah, I mean, the team, look, the team's on the upswing. They have the global hook. Um, they, have a, uh, they have their revenue streams all in place. Now I think it comes down to performance both on the court and the economic development that spews out of the arena and out of that, that area. Uh, and I think if, if, if they can justify, you know, if that clicks and that, that digs in like we've seen in so many downtown type arenas uh, and the team gets better than 44 and 38 in the next few years, that's a, that's a, great, um, a great formula. If it, and that's if it happens. You know, we've seen a lot of great plans in the professional sports arena, uh, and, and we've seen them go haywire. So th- this is going to be an interesting test of financial engineering and startup mentality um, in a town like such as Milwaukee. Um, like you mentioned in the interview, Peter, not L.A., not New York, not Chicago, but looking to get beyond Milwaukee to have a kind of sub-regional footprint, if that's a word. Uh, it, it is, but and we and, and I mean this with respect because we both like uh, uh, you know what they've done. But we got to give them a little bit of a geography lesson. I, I guess you could call Milwaukee a northern suburb of Chicago. They're going to try it. God bless them. Well, you know what? You don't. You only have to get a few advertisers and, and sponsors to believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. You know, they they can they can stretch, um, and at a time you know when there's not a lot of uh, competition per se in the region. They have, a, they have an opportunity in the next few years to strike, a, to strike a chord competitively. But again, funding 50% of that arena with public money puts pressure on them. Now, this is an ownership group that's used to pressure. I mean, they're hedge fund managers. But can they pull it off? Yeah, very good point. They're up for the job, and the Greek freak being on the team reduces some of the pressure as long as he plays well. Tell me what you think is the reason why the NBA is picking up eyeballs and the NFL is losing them. Look, I, you know, I think the NFL hit a hit a hit a 
really perfect storm between the CTE concerns, the national anthem protests on both sides of it. You know, it, it creates antipathy in, in bo- on both sides of the argument. Um, and I, I just think that there was nothing spectacular about the NFL season last year beside the, the Super Bowl. The actual Super Bowl was spectacular. But the season was fairly ordinary and fairly uneventful. Um, the NBA, on the other hand, um, has this great franchise in Golden State. Some legendary plays, really good, healthy movement. Um, some new teams, some old teams, and they seem to be on the right side of the social justice game. <laughs> so th- I think all of that I- is a good thing. Uh, I think what the NBA and what other leagues need to watch in the next five to ten years that could upset the apple cart is the impact of gambling. And uh, that I think there's, a, there's concern that, that what does that do, how does that affect the shape of the game and the economics of the media around it. So I think that could be a tripping point. But I think the NBA has seen a resurgence. And I think LeBron in L.A. changes that, keeps the league, gives the league a, a marquee town um, that they can own again. And then final comment about gambling. We, we opened it up, and I think it's a really good comment to make. Brilliant decision by Adam Silver to cut what is effectively a marketing and data sharing deal with MGM to take the data MGM paying the NBA $50 million or so to use the data. It's not just in Nevada, but not New Jersey as well. And they've got two, they got Beau Rivage and Tunica and Biloxi, Mississippi, three of the four states that already have gambling. The NBA got out ahead of everybody else who wanted that integrity fee. They wanted a point of this and two points of that. And the NBA said, wait, well, you're squabbling. We're going to cut a marketing deal. And we're going to get some money on the table first. Brilliant move. Good move. And data is a new data is the asset of the moment, right? I mean, the New York Stock Exchange and all those other, all the exchanges make money from selling data. That's that's you know that's the NBA shouldn't be any different, especially because gamblers have become so data driven. Yeah, and I was my my daughter starts law school this week. A shameless plug. I was going to sell her my books on the theory that I have control of the data. By the way, it didn't work. Don't you no, try this at home? No, not no, so it didn't. much. It not didn't. So Actually, it's even sad that I even mentioned it, but that's okay. <laughs> so. We're talking football, football, football next week. Rick Harrow, see you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Harrow. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.